Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome once again to another episode of So I Married a Horror Fan. Hello. Is it me. us you're looking for? Hey, yeah. Hey, yeah, you're right. You're right. I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, I am Simon. I'm Lou. And this is episode 118 of So I Married a Horror Fan. It's we are. We are a lot of the way through the month of March. We're hitting up that March madness. And uh, in today's episode, we are looking at a film that we're not entirely sure what either of us became obsessed with and why we've been thinking about it for the last three years. But it's been a thing. It has um, been a thing. We are looking at House. Not that was... one. Not that one. Not that one. The not other the one. one. With the doctor in it. With um, Hugh Laurie. Laurie. And then there's a 1977 film called House as well. We're looking at House from 1986, directed by... I don't know, because Lee's not got the information in front of her. No, sorry, it kept taking me to the House TV oh, show, and I'm take, like, no. Was it, was it taking you to the House of Fun? No. Now I've come with a... Uh, so directed by Steve Miner. Steve the Miner. Steve the Miner, written by Fred Decker and Ethan Wiley. It was story by Fred Decker, wasn't Shut it? Shut up. Oi! Hiya. Uh, Cast-wise, we've got William Cat as Roger Cobb. Meow. George Went as Harold Gorton. Uh, Richard Moore as Big Ben. Kay Lenz as Sandy St. Clair. Mary Staven as Tanya. Uh, Susan French as Aunt Elizabeth. That's kind of it, really, isn't it? And then some crappy kid actors. Uh, Eric Silver and Mark Silver play Jimmy, who I think is Tanya's son? No. No, Jimmy is his son. Jimmy is his Robert's, son. Robert's the little mullet kid. Uh, Robert is played by Robert Joseph. Oh, wow. And then Kurt Wilmot plays a skeleton Big Ben. Oh. Peter Pitofsky plays Witch. Uh, Felix Siller and Jerry Marin play the little critters. Oh, and Elizabeth Barrington also plays one of the little critters. Um, just having a look if any of the other creature actors are credited. Uh, Jason Kane plays Cheesy Stud. I'm assuming that's one of the critters. Lol. Um, that's all there is on here, so I don't know who... Kane Hodder. Kane, Kane Hodder just played. did stunts, so... He probably just got thrown about a bit. Yeah. Uh, Plotline wise, this movie, a troubled writer moves into a haunted house after inheriting it from his aunt. Sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, what was the budget for this film? Do we know? Budget was $3 million and it grossed $19,444,631. 90, 1919. Oh. That's pretty good. That's 19, <coughs> It's a bit of a Friday the 13th thing going on with this movie, bit of a bit of a ting. <coughs> so we've got, this movie has an insane amount of talent behind it. So you've got Fred Decker, who wrote Night of the Creeps and Monster Squad and frequently worked with Shane Black. Mm-hmm. Quite why they didn't start a production company and call it Black, Black and Decker. Decker, I'll never know. Um, you've got Sean S. Cumming- N- L- L- Sean S. Cunningham produ- producing Friday the 13th, Last House on the Left. Uh, you've got fucking Steve Miner directing this bitch, who did Friday the 13th Parts 2 and 3. He is the guy who put the hockey mask on Jason. 
And then he also did my favourite Halloween movie, Halloween H2O. And he also made a little film called Lake Placid yeah. about them big ass gators. Um, and then Steve Stephen Williams is in this as the cop number four. He's the black cop mm-hmm. who's like, hey man, can I use your toilet? Who plays Creighton Duke in Friday the 13th at 9. Well, Jason goes to hell the final Friday. Obviously, Kane Hodder's associated with this. And Harry Manfredini did the music, who is the composer on, like, all the Friday the 13th movies. Hmm. It's like a, a whole Friday the 13th thing up in this bitch. Um, yeah, I don't know why we became obsessed with this movie. I assume it's one of the movies that they showed on In Search of Darkness. And we were like, let's watch that, because it will be fun. I think part of it was we read the back of it, like, the box once and my brain went oh it sounds kind of similar to like um i want to say deadly manners but that's not what i'm thinking of it's the other podcast that was produced through shudder mm-hmm. um oh my god what is it called it's the one i really like babe i don't know i don't know what oh you think that i would know it was fucking narrated by lee pace had paul in it michelle massage was in it Lippus. Oh, it's going to annoy me now. Right, I'm going to Vogue for a bit. You Vogue, Vogue while I figure Vogue. out. Um, I remember, though, I think I've said this numerous times on the podcast, and I'd be very interested to know how like other people feel about this. Darkest night. But I saw the cover or the poster for this yeah. somewhere when I was a child. I want to say a video shop. Probably. I want to say my uncle's room. That made it sound very Uncle Lucius-y. I assure you it wasn't. Um, But, like, the fucking poster for this movie is really cool. It's got a fucking doorbell on it with a severed zombie hand, and it's like, Mm -hmm. ding dong, you're dead. And I'm like... And, like, you know, I don't know if it's just me. Maybe I'm just weird. But, like, there's something when you're a child about, like, old VHS tapes and, like, especially old movies that just seem particularly scary... Yeah. And like when you look at the back of an old VHS tape and they have like those little pictures of like what's in the film and stuff mm-hmm. and you're like man this is like scary shit. So I I always when I was growing up thought this movie was going to be like legit terrifying. Same th- same thing happened with Gremlins when I was a kid. Um and I've never like obviously because of the theme of this month had never seen this movie. And then like it popped up on it. I think I'm, I'm a, almost a hundred percent confident that they mention it on the first In Search of Darkness. Probably. But I've seen like eighty-seven hours of those documentaries now, and I cannot remember half the stuff they mention on them. Um, and they mention they make a reference to it in Scream too. Um, so I was kind of always a bit like expecting it to be some like Amityville poltergeist type shit. Yeah. Like a genuinely like legit scary movie with some like decent practical effects and like you know, a legit scary movie. And then when we put it on, because they're all on, all four of them, this, the second story, the horror show, and the repossession are all on Shudder at the moment. And then when we loaded up the Shudder screen to watch it on Shudder, it was like, for fans of Evil Dead, Return of the Living Dead, and fucking Killer Killer Clowns. And I was like, right. So we watched it, and I was just like... I feel like this movie is, like, proper, like... B-movie. This movie is, like, paying to see a dominatrix and then the kinkiest she gets is she gives you a slap on the ass. Mm. 
Like, the thing is, though, it's what makes me laugh. It's like they really overmarketed it because they were like, yeah, if you like the Evil Dead and Killer Clowns, I was like, I love both of those films. You do too. And you also like the Return of the Living Dead or whatever. Oh, I was. did not. We didn't. Neither of us liked that movie. Oh, did we not? No. no but I... we both liked Killer Clowns and we both love Evil Dead. Mm-hmm. I freaking adore Killer Clowns, in fact. I have Killer Clowns pajamas. Uh, so I was like, oh, perfect. This is going to be amazing. I love it. Like, those are two films that I really enjoyed. They overmarketed that. They really shoved a boat and just went, eh, maybe. Also, it's got a really high skull rating. I mean, I realised that Shudder, a lot of the rating on Shudder is like Amazon. It's all customer based. But it's got like a four out of five skull rating on mm. fucking Shudder. Um, yeah, it's a fuck. This movie is a fucking pacing nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> um, I guess we should just get into it. Like, what what we what was your initial impression like? Because uh, it sounds like you had quite lofty expectations. I did. <coughs> and then, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I was kind of like, I wanted to see it anyway, because we kind of had this thing. Like, much like with Blood Diner, we kind of had this thing of like, we're going to watch House. Like, I don't know where it came from. I don't know why it happened. But we decided at one point or another that House was going to be amazing. I nearly, but I've I've nearly bought the Arrow Blu-ray box set yeah. so many fucking times. I'm so glad we didn't. <laughs> I don't know, man. The other three might be fucking bangers. Meh, I'm not holding my breath. Um, so I was quite excited for it, and then when we went into the thing, and they were like, "Oh yeah, if you like Evil Dead and Killer Clowns, you'll love this." And I was like, "Perfect. I like both of those films. Excellent. That's just what I want for my evening." And uh, yeah, it does not pull through. Just... It's like it's like that dude who's super confident going into a night and he's like, oh yeah, like I'm going to make you scream my name and then it's just like a quick two pump and he's done and you're like, oh, what was that? I just... didn't quite figure out where anything was or how anything works down there and he's just like, oh, was that good for you? You're like, yeah. I'm just not entirely sure what they were attempting to achieve with this movie. I mean, this movie's like... 37 years old now and like the practical effects are still really good like no shade to the practical effects and no shade to like the actual haunting stuff in it because it's actually like pretty well done but like it just can't decide what type of movie it wants to be it's like half the movie is like vietnam flashbacks half the movie is just him chilling in the house and then like occasionally Something comes to haunt him, and it's like, okay, like, I expected more, like, creatures and demons and ghosts and stuff, and, like, expected it to be not as comedic, I guess. Thing is, it's not even funny. Um, the bit where he beats the fish up and shoots the fish is quite funny. That's one scene, babe. Yeah, and like the thing that his wife turns into is quite funny when yeah, he has a fight with the the demon wife creature thing. But like, yeah, it's one of those, and like as well, like I think for the thing for the theme for the themes the 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 themes that the film is dealing with, like it shouldn't be as funny. Like it's talking about like army veterans with PTSD coming back from war and like watching their mates die and like not being able to save them 
and the like is, the though, loss of a child and like his aunt commits suicide in the first five minutes the thing is though it's like so you, the, i missed the comment in the film when he's talking to his manager about mate writing a book on his experiences in vietnam and literally there's a bit of the film like it's the first time he really has references and he sits down to start writing and suddenly you're back in nam yeah and i was like what the fuck is going on what the fuck is happening yeah. I'm so confused. And that's what I mean. Because it's like a passing comment. It's not even like it's a big, like, yeah. to do. And then, yeah, suddenly you're in fucking Vietnam. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? Yeah, and, like, it's such a weird, like, t- and it's like, this is what I mean. It's like such a weird tonal shift because it's like he's in the house chilling and then there's, like, a fucking demon or he hears a noise or, like, little mullet kids around the house. And it's all japes. And then the next minute, he's like in a fucking trench with his mate dodging fucking grenades. And it's like, you know, war war is like a serious thing, man. And like people who have suffered in war or lost people in war, like they go through things like genuinely and legitimately. And like to have that as the spine of this film, especially with the revelation of where the hauntings are coming from, like at the end of the movie, it's not something that you should like fucking play alongside some like grab ass you know what i mean like it's it's such a fucking weird like and that's i think that's why i thought this was going to be a more serious movie because i was like oh okay like he's obviously like come back from vietnam thing is is he's been from back from nam for quite a while yeah because like his kid's like a good like what eight or nine uh yeah something like that he's he's yeah old fucking jimmy I like this is the other thing as well. Like, they keep like he has he has a vision of his aunt killing herself. He has visions of his kid like fucking drowning in the swimming pool, and not being able to save him. Like he's very ambivalent towards his ex-wife. Like you assume because it never says that the reason why him and his wife split up is because of the, the loss, loss of, of the, the child. Kid, yeah. And then like as I say, all the Vietnam stuff, and then like. His fucking neighbour, who is like fucking Norm from Cheers, is like this weird... Like, his character goes absolutely nowhere. He's just there randomly, like, all the time. Yeah. Like, the police... Like, his house becomes a crime scene at one point because they think he's, like, fucking trying to kill himself. And then the police just randomly let his neighbour into the house and just have him sat there, like, having a cup of tea while they're talking to this man who they think is trying to kill himself with a double-barreled shotgun in the house where his auntie killed herself. I'm like, this would not happen. Like, why is he there? Like, what is his purpose? Like, he's... He claims to be an obsessed fan who has, like, just decided to insert himself in Roger's life. And it's like, all of these elements together do not really gel. No, it's it's not very cohesive. The pacing of the film, again, doesn't help either because you go through these long stretches of, like, nothing happen. Or nothing happening, sorry. And then, like, it's, like, just something randomly happens and you're, like, you never you never get the sense that, like... So if you watch a movie like Poltergeist or The Conjuring or Amityville or The Entity or even fucking Scary Movie 2, for Christ's sake, like, there is a sense of somebody is in this house... And things are getting worse and worse and worse. And they're becoming more unhinged, more paranoid, more like the hauntings are getting worse. Like, 
the idea of them staying in the house becomes less and less. Like, at no point does this motherfucker ever really seem affected by what's going on in the house. No, he's very blasé about the whole thing. Yeah, like, he never seems like he doesn't want to stay there. Like, he's afraid. Like, he wants to leave. Like, he's going to get some fucking paranormal investigators in. Like, like, he, he opens up a cupboard the first night he spends there. And some, like, wormy fucking demon engineer from Hellraiser-looking motherfucker pops out of his cupboard. And the first thing he does is, I'll go to the fucking electronics store and order a bunch of cameras so I can photograph it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, and this is the other thing about this movie. This is, like, marketed as, like, a horror comedy. But it's also, like, this motherfucker is experiencing a haunting. But you never get the sense that he's, like, scared of anything that's going on. Like, that he is genuinely being terrorised. Like, you get no sense of, like, fear or anything. Other than he's all like, oh, yeah, man. My wife turned into a demon, so I chopped her up. And, like, my neighbour's trying to fuck me. And it's really inconvenient that I'm trying to bury this corpse while my neighbour's trying to fuck me. Mm -hmm. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it sounds like I'm being really neggy. But it's like, the movie doesn't really give me reasons to be positive no i don't know how you feel about the, su- the subject because like, you've not you've not said a lot so no I, d- I didn't want to interrupt while you were on a tangent oh. so i just shove you off course couldn't get a word in but you know i mean i agree with you with what you said like the film just doesn't gel like there's there's no points in this movie that are linked together and make sense and then the reveal at the end of, like, what is going on of it, like, being Ben, who's, like, punishing Robert for... Roger. Roger, whatever. For leaving him in Vietnam and how he was tortured and all this. Doesn't make sense, because you're led to believe from the scenes you see with his... With aunt... In Vietnam. No, with his aunt. Yeah, his aunt, sorry. That the house has been being haunted, like, since since she has lived there. Mm-hmm. And, like, was haunted the whole time. But that doesn't work out if it only started once he got back from Vietnam. Yeah. Unless it's, like, a tag team situation. Like, there was a ghost in there beforehand and then, like... But there's not ben really a clear explanation. In. This is a big problem with the ending of this film. Is there's not really a clear re- explanation. Like, I left the film at the end going, what the... F- fuck did i just watch yeah and like his kid's been alive the whole time just stuck in ghost world yeah so they, like... don't, they don't even explain what that is like he gets in through a mirror he smashes the window in the back of the mirror in the bathroom clambers through it and suddenly he's in like ghost world nam and his fucking kid's been there this whole time and his kid's still alive yeah his kid's just been chilling in the ghost dimension with, like, the fucking little girl from Poltergeist. It's just literally so fucking confusing. Yeah, it's it it's one of those movies that, like, seems like such a good idea on paper. And, like, there are elements of it that, like, should work. Like, as a protagonist, Roger's an alright character. Yeah. Like, he doesn't seem terribly problematic. He doesn't seem like an asshole he doesn't really seem like he deserves what's happening to him. But also at the same time, you're just like, you are like the bland ass Karen's potato salad of like characters. Like, I don't really care what happens to no. you one way or the other because he's a bit of a non-entity. Like, the man has a deep V cardigan and he's like trying to like not have sex with his neighbour. I'm like, oh, cool. 
good, good guy Rog. Like, but other than that, there's like nothing about him that makes me go, I want this dude to live. Like, I want this dude to get his kid back, get his wife back. To be fair, the only point in the movie where I actually have a shit what happened to any of the characters is after he rescues his son. And uh, he sends his son off to go and escape. And he's like, go get go get help. And he just sends him off into the house. I'm like, you know there are other creatures, like, in mm-hmm. this house. And you're just like, nah, just go one. Like, I've already lost you once. Fuck it. Yeah. Also, the kid doesn't know the floor plan. No. The kid doesn't know where he's going. <laughs> This is a this is an unfamiliar house to this child. Well, he'd been there before. Wow. He's been in the fucking ghost dimension for like uh, for years. And like, and like, how has he not aged? Does time as as time slowed down in the ghost dimension? No one knows. This kid should be like forty seven years old. He should have a fucking five o'clock shadow and a driving license. <laughs> and he's the same. He's, I think he's wearing the same clothes as well that he was wearing. This is like, where, like, in actual fact, it's only been like six months since the incident. Maybe it works like the quantum realm. You know how, like, in uh, Avengers Endgame, they're like, hey, man, like, Ant-Man was gone for five years. And he was like, for me, it felt like five minutes because mm. he was chilling in the quantum realm. Maybe it's like that. Maybe this kid's been chilling in some kind of, like, quantum realm with, like, Kang and, like, some Big dude. Ben. Some dude who looks like fucking broccoli. <laughs> He's been hanging out with Big Ben. Maybe there's, a ver- maybe there's a version of this where this kid's variant becomes, like, fucking evil Mm. And he's like just fucking going around the multiverse, like killing versions of his dad. Yeah, but I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I'm, I, I'm finding it very difficult to say anything positive about this film. Yeah, I mean, it was it was well directed. Uh, Steve Miner did a did a competent job directing it. Uh, I mean, we've talked about his movies before because we talked about Halloween H two before. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a real not. Like I don't understand how this movie. Sp- Born to franchise, because mm. um, you look at movies and you're like, okay, I get why that became a franchise, or I get why that got a sequel. I'm assuming because it made a lot of money is why it got a sequel. Yeah. Um, and I, from what I gather, two and three are like completely unrelated. Uh, they are just standalone sequels. The fourth one is a semi standalone sequel because Roger Cobb does come back. Mm. Uh, and he's like married to someone else, and he's like visiting a different house, like the Cobb family house. Um, but yeah, like there's nothing about this w- that that kind of makes me go, yeah, like this should have been a franchise. Yeah, no. Um, and like I feel like it's just a real wasted opportunity because it's not particularly funny. So for them to say that it's like a horror comedy and like it's whacked out, like. How that? I mean, I I refuse to call the Evil Dead a horror comedy because it's not the first Evil Dead movie is not funny and it's not supposed to be funny. Um, I can understand why people would say like if you like killer clowns, like you might enjoy this because some of the creature designs and things like that, like oh yeah, like the creature design is good. I will give them that. The creature design is pretty cool and holds up really well as well because it's all practical. Um, but even then, like the creature design is the only thing that would make me even contemplate linking it with killer clowns mm. and even then I, I don't particularly feel like it deserves even being in this being said in the same sentence as killer clowns no because they are completely different films they are. um obviously um but yeah i just you know you know when you're like really excited about something and then like you finally experience it and you're just like oh no like, mm-hmm. and 
we are well, just a heads up we're currently filming listening re- recording this out of order so this very much could happen when we do the bloodline episode this could also happen when we do the scream six episode it could <laughs> But because we're film recording this out of order, like I, we could have watched Blood Diner and I've gone, why did I spend so much time? Why did I spend money getting the Scream Factory version of yeah. this film? Well, this is the episode that comes out after Scream Six. Yeah. Uh, so we w- <laughs> we will find out. Like, but you know what I mean, though. Like next week we're covering the Frighteners, and spoiler alert, we've already recorded that episode because, as Lee said, we're recording it out of like out of co- out of order. And I don't want to talk too much about that movie because obviously next week you're going to listen to that episode. But The Frighteners was a film that I went in expecting one film and got a completely different film but was pleasantly surprised. Whereas this was like The Frighteners is Wario. Like yeah. I was like expecting this like really fucking good haunted house movie. I was like, yeah, man, we're going to get fucking walls dripping blood. We're going to get fucking like... All kinds of cool shit going on. I was I was kind of expecting something similar to um oh my god what is it called Smart House, but with actual ghosts. Smart House as in the Disney Channel it's in the movie. The Disney Channel movie where the house is like a smart house, and she goes insane and starts trapping them inside the house. Is that the one that's got Katie Sackle? Yeah, it's the house. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, isn't it got the luck of the Irish kid in it? Yeah, it does. He's the main kid. Yeah. The Luck of the Irish is the basketball one where he's the leprechaun. He's part leprechaun, right? Mm-hmm. And, yeah. like, he becomes, like, the star basketball player. Uh, I don't know about that, because I haven't seen... He starts turning into a leprechaun. Yeah. And that kid's in a whole bunch of Disney Channel shit. Mm. Yeah, I get what you mean. I was expecting it to be kind of, like... Not maybe like The Country, but, like, more Amityville-type sort of situation. Like... I thought he was going to be there to write the book and the house was going to slowly start making him go mad and then it was going to be like his one-man fight for survival against like... And, you know, the thing is as well, like, the movie obviously wants to say things because, like, he keeps seeing, like, visions of his dead kid or, like, as we find out, his undead kid. And it's like... I get what you're trying to do here. Like, you're trying to be like, hey, man, like, the ghosts are fucking with you, like, because ghosts do that. And they're like, here is your dead kid. Here is, like, some other stuff. And it's like, I don't... I just... I feel like this movie was a big old wasted opportunity. And, like, I get it. Like, Fred Decker... It comes from a Fred Decker story who, obviously, like, Night of the Creeps is fucking great. Monster Squad's fucking great. But, like... I do wonder, like, how much of his initial pitch actually made it into the movie. And, like, how how vastly different the film would have been if he'd written it. Mm. Because, like, Monster Squad is a horror comedy. But it still has some, like, quite scary bits in it. And it's a very atmospheric film and it has some really interesting stuff in it. Whereas, like, this movie doesn't really even have anything particularly interesting in it. And, like, as you said, there are, like, a lot of leaps in logic. And I get it. Like, 80s horror movies, there are leaps in logic all over the fucking place. And, like, nobody watches, like, horror movies for, like, sound logic. Like, generally. Some people just watch them to be entertained. And, like, even with this, like, I can't even say it was, you know, not the film I expected, but I had a good time with it. Because there were moments watching this where, I'll be honest with you, I was, like, genuinely falling asleep. Mm -hmm. And I was, like... Partially because I was bored, but partially because I'm fucking tired because it's been a I started playing Sudoku at one point. Yeah. It was more interesting. 
And like, I think I, I, I've said this multiple times. I will forgive a film a lot of things. I will forgive a film for being bad. I will forgive a film for being like overly long. I will forgive a film for having leaps in logic if I'm entertained. I cannot abide a film being fucking boring. Mm-hmm. And like, how do you drop a fucking 80s haunted house movie in the middle of the 80s when horror was at its fucking peak with the creative team behind it that you've got and it just land like a fart in a lift? Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, I just don't get it. Like, there are obviously things that I... Like, because I do want to say some nice things about this film. I think William Cat is really good in this movie. Like, I think Roger is a bland-ass character. But I think he does well with what he's given. Um, I think he is kind of one of those characters where you're like... A lot of shit has happened to you, man. And I don't necessarily think it's your fault. And you're like, I don't want these bad things to happen to you, bro. Because you seem like an okay guy. Um, And like... Yeah, he, he, as a protagonist, it could have been a lot worse. We could have had some Jack Torrance motherfucker up in this bitch mm. who's like, you know, divorced his wife, he's really cold, like, you know, his wife is kind of like a non-entity. And that was the thing as well that I didn't really understand at the end of the movie, because, like, you're led to believe that they don't not have a frosty relationship, but obviously they're... They're still on speaking terms, but they've kind of drifted apart from each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And he obviously wants her to... Sh- like, he wants to show her that he's moving on and that his life's okay. That's why he pretends that he's got friends around and he's not just at home on his own mm-hmm. eating some fucking beef pate fucking ready meal. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, that was the thing that really fucking made me laugh at the end of the film. Because, like, they Norm not Norm, whatever his fucking neighbour's called, mm-hmm. contacts her, like, halfway through the movie, and then she randomly shows up by taxi at the end. And you're supposed to believe that, oh, he saved the kid, and, like, they're just going to be a happy family again. Like, I'm I'm not being funny. Like, if I'm using real-world logic here, how the, f- how the fuck do you explain to your ex-wife, hey, man, remember that kid we had that we thought was dead? Oh, surprise, he's here. Uh, let's be a family again. Mm. Like, I, I, I get that you want to give the audience a happy ending, but your happy ending is like, like nonsense. Whack. It's whack. Yeah, it's just, and there's too many. There's too many subplots for the mm. movie to be just like. You could have cut the neighbor subplot out. Both neighbors. You could have cut the dude from Cheers subplot out. You could have cut the whole. I'm a thirsty neighbor who wants to have sex with you, but not really. I just want you to babysit my kid while I go fuck somebody else storyline. Like, that plot was pointless. The thing is, though, is they couldn't have. Because this movie is 90 minutes, exactly. Yeah, I know, but still, that was a pointless They could have not cut nothing out of it, because the film isn't long enough otherwise, although it does feel a hell of a lot longer than that. But they could have cut those two subplots out and just focused more on the haunting and his, like, what he's, his going, he's going through and what his, like... Yeah, I guess thought process was you know i'm not here for like thirsty fucking tanya the swimming lady i'm here for like demons fucking up this dude's day yeah but i don't know man i'm just like hey yeah but yeah i don't really have anything else to say about this film okay i have a question for you though okay because i do want your opinion on this okay as we're getting spicy now so sean's coming in mm-hmm. cunningham like Stevie, mm-hmm. um, 
has announced that mm-hmm. they are remaking House. They're doing a reboot. Mm-hmm. So they're doing a new reboot that's going to be coming out next year. Mm-hmm. He is co-producing mm-hmm. and they are looking to kind of like do a more con- contemporary, modern take on House. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that a modern version of this story, if they don't stick rigidly to it, can work now? I think it could, but they'd have to make a lot of changes. Yeah. Because it's fucking boring. Yeah, I guess now though, like the whole Vietnam subplot would be different, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like. I mean, not really. They'd have fought in Iraq or Iraq. Yeah, but that's what I mean. It would be like a different kind of war, or it would be like his friend was a first responder and he died, like, responding to a fire or like something along those lines. Mm. Um. I think there is a way to do it. I think you have to completely change the story, though, like you said. I think you can still have the Roger Cobb character, and I think you could still have the stuff with, like, his wife and son, but I think you would have to change the purpose of the haunting, and I think you would have to make it a much more interesting film. Um, and, And I think it all depends on, like, what kind of route they want to go down. Because, to me, when I think about films being rebooted in the 2010s mm. or the 2020s like this isn't like high on my list of films that i would reboot no and like i feel like it's not going to be practical effects no it'll be special effects so CGI effects. like that's also going to lose like a big part of it as well mm. is like having cgi like goblins and gremlins and yeah because that was one stuff. of the upsides of this film it was probably the only good up like only um actual upside of this film was the effects were really good yeah the creature design was awesome and his deep and his deep v cardigan and his deep v cardigan made him look like a, a very sexual man yeah um but yeah i i i would be willing to give the reboot a go just to see what direction they go mm. with it um do you want to watch any more of these movies? God, no. <laughs> God, no. I have lost an hour and a half of my life tonight. Plus the time it's taken to record a podcast about the hour and a half of my life that I have lost. I did it to myself last night. I lost two hours of my life last night wasting my time watching a movie. I've done it again tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, on that note, though... I'm like, I'm, I'm starting to tally. At this point, I have lost nearly 20 hours of my life to movies that just weren't worth it. On that note, though, was this movie better than Magic Mike's Last Stand? No! <laughs> I'd have preferred to re-watch Last Stand again. I said Last Stand. Like, it was a fucking <laughs> X-Men movie. Magic Mike, Last Stand. Um, I would prefer to watch Magic Mike 3 again, twice in a row... Then sit through this film. Magic Mike's Last Stand. Now I'm just imagining X Men Last Stand, but you take out Magneto and you replace it with Magic with Mike. Magic Mike. Magic Mike Neo. <laughs> yeah, that movie was fucking dreadful. And even the the good strip at the end wasn't worth the time and effort I put into watching that movie. The juice was not worth the squeeze. It was not. And the thing is, what really annoys me is like I've been invested in character plot lines. Okay, I wanted to know: Did Tito ever get his yogurt shop off? Did that happen for him? Like, did he manage to get his yogurt van mm-hmm. with Fluffy? I don't know. Yeah. Was Richie still with Andy McDowell? Was he still wearing that glass slipper, babe? 
I don't know. No one knows. Did Tarzan become a painter? No, I was think... It like, did he retire and just take up painting full-time? Which I really hope he did, because he was passionate about painting. I think my boy Tarzan just retired. He's just playing golf on the Florida Keys, to be honest. Oh. I mean, I'm assuming Ken was still doing Reiki, because of the cameo, like, we assume he's still doing just his, like, Reiki, like, yogi stuff. Yeah. But, like, did he ever, did he ever find true love? What happened to the kid? Are they still in China? Fuck knows. So many questions and none of them were answered. It was the worst ending to a series of films. They didn't get any resolution from the ongoing plot threads, babe. Also... The fact that they were ongoing plot threads of the fucking Magic Mike movies is the greatest thing, though. Also, they seem to, like, write the women out, women out of his life. Like, sorry, this is a weird song. But they seem to write the women out of his life very quickly. Like, he was engaged... Like, he had sex with Olivia Munn. And then he'd like been, he, he binned her off after they had that weird threesome in the first movie. And then he got engaged to that woman that he met that was like related to the kid or she wasn't related to the kid. I oh, can't his remember. Sister. It was yeah. His sister. So she was the kid's sister. And then the kid got like fucking drug people, like beat the shit out of him. And then him and the, him and the sister got engaged. And no, then he proposed. Yeah. And, and then, then she in, turned him down. And then in the second one, they were like, oh, yeah, she like knobbed off. And then, like in the in the second one, he meets uh, I can't remember what Dolly name tits. is. Yeah, the the camera woman. And then, like they seemingly end up together at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how long after. Like I assume it's about three to five months because they mention in the movie in the Zoom call that they haven't seen him in three months. No, it must be longer than that because it's set after the pandemic happened. Yeah, but I don't know, like chronologically, like like fucking. The second one could have happened a year before that. It could have happened in twenty. Yeah, no, but what I'm saying is that, like, the films, I think, happen basically time exactly. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just after the pandemic's finished that the mm-hmm. new one's set. But they mentioned that they haven't seen him in three months. Mm. And, like, there's absolutely no mention of what happened with Amber Heard's character at all. Oh, like, she, does, she doesn't even get a passing mention. Like it's probably for the best, to be honest. They don't mention what happened with Rome. They don't mention what happened with Donald Glover. Like, yeah. Uh, he, Did Rome just go back to her castle? He went. He went on this big adventure in the second movie, and then like, and that's what I said. Like, it feels like the third Magic Mike movie should have been the second Magic Mike movie, and then the second one should have been the third one. That's how it should. Right. Yeah, that's how it should have been structured. That's the, that that middle movie XXL is a fucking amazing film. Mm. Cinematic mastery at its best. Cinema. <clears throat> um, that one sequence with Bastard Backstreet Boys. But yeah. Anyway, we're not, oh, we're not here to talk about Mike, Michael Jeffrey Lane. Um, so, I don't know, man. I would be tempted to watch the rest of these movies just to kind of see what they're like. Because um, I can't imagine they're as boring as this one. Nah. Um, I imagine they get more wild. Nah. Um, but yeah, I was not massively impressed with this movie. And I feel really let down. Um, that's what I get for getting my fucking hopes up, guys. I get... Fucking dreams dashed. Um, so yeah, what are your final thoughts on Roger Cobb's last dance? That's what this movie could have done with a musical number, like a risky business situation. Yeah, just see fucking Roger Cobb risky business. Honestly. It just wasn't good. It wasn't scary. It wasn't funny. It wasn't actually emotional in any way, shape or form. 
Like, I wasn't watching it going, oh, like, I feel really sorry for him. Or, like, oh, that's really horrible that happened. I was just like, eh. I don't give a shit. You seem very non-fussed by all of these things that have happened to you, so. Why should we care? Uh, practical effects were quite good. It had your basic 80s fucking score, let's be honest. Like, it's an 80s horror movie, quick, but some... Yeah, Harry Manfredini did a good job on the score, to be fair. But it was just a standard, bog-standard 80s horror film. Yeah, he was just like... There wasn't anything magnificent about it. He was just like, it's a musical got left over from Friday the 13th, part four. Like, let me just chuck this in there real quick. Um, and yeah, I just don't think it was very good at all. Yeah. Uh, I'm tempted to just give it a 0.5. Like, it's not like it was horrific and I hated it and it was a crime to my face, but it just, there was nothing like, at least then I'd have had something where I was like, it was horrific. Why would you do that? Yeah. I'm just like, eh. I always feel like there is no bigger crime in cinema than being a middling movie, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. This is what this is what I was saying, though. Like, I'll forgive a movie for being bad if it's trying. What like... was it we went to go see at the cinema? And, like, oh, Megan. Because I felt very much about Megan. I was just very, eh. Megan. Meh, Megan. I got my eye on you, M3 again. Yeah, what he said. <laughs> I got my eye on you. But, yeah, I'll give it a one. I'll give it a round one. Because those effects are pretty good. Damn good. I do really do like creature design. Mm. I feel like a lot of people have nostalgia for the 80s and 80s horror movies. And I am one of those people. But I think sometimes it's okay to admit that not everything in the 80s was good. No. And uh, this is a prime example of that. Um, I feel like if I saw this movie... Through our ring doorbell, I would not answer the door. No. I'd be like, ding dong, hell no. Um, That's been hours of fun. What? Our new ring doorbell. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like, I just... (sighs) I hate... I fucking hate shitting on movies. I really do. Do you know what I would have preferred to watch, actually, for an hour and a half? A dude shitting in the floor. No, that video of next door's kid figuring out there's a camera in our doorbell just on loop for an hour and a half. Lol. Because it's fucking hilarious. But yeah, I... I just... I hate shitting on movies. And there are a lot of episodes where I do feel like I try really hard to say positive things about films that I disliked because I just don't want our listeners to be like, that guy's a grumpy cunt and he hates everything. No, I'm the grumpy one of the family. Um, But... Yeah, it's just, I'm struggling to just think of anything that was memorable about this movie or that I enjoyed about this movie or that I found interesting about this movie. Exactly. Other than the fact that he he had a quaint little little computer and a deep V and... Yeah, that's the big memorable thing for me was like that V-neck jumper because it is a properly, like it comes down past it nipple height. Yeah. It's like it ends just above his belly button. Yeah. And he's all like, garbage day. Yeah, there's a cute golden retriever in it. Yeah, what the fuck happened to that dog? He's next door's dog, isn't he? Yeah, but like, the dog runs off and then the hand is on the kid. Don't know. Forgot about that, to be honest. Yeah, because the kid, like, mullet mullet boy turns up at his house and he's got the fucking hand on him. We did get to see a, a demon hand flush down a toilet, which is pretty funny. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think I have to agree with you. I mean... I did not enjoy the house experience. I may 
go back and rewatch some of the others just because they're on Shudder at the moment. And I feel like I'm paying money for Shudder and I'm not really using it that much. So I may do it just to kind of get my money's worth out of Shudder. But um, yeah, it's uh, it's a disappointing one for me. And I think I'm probably going to give it like a 1.5. I think that's the lowest score I've ever given anything. I'm pretty sure I've given something a 0.5 before. I think you gave X a minus one. <laughs> probably that does sound like something I would do. I love how you're like, I don't want to come across as grumpy. And I'm like, I am grumpiness X. personified. X did not give it to you. I have no issue being the miserable one on the podcast. I'm fine with that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you tell me off sometimes. It'll be really funny because we're recording episodes and I was like, can you say something nice about it? And I'm like, no, because I hated it. Ah yeah. Simon doesn't like it when I badmouth things straight up. <laughs> it's not that. It's just I just feel like sometimes, sometimes you say things in the heat of the moment. It's never in the heat. Of and the then moment. like later on, you're like you're rewatching a movie and you're like that wasn't that bad. And I'm like yeah, but you can't take it back now, can you? I was like it's out there. It's in the world. Yeah, but it was my my full unfiltered opinion of my first viewing of something. Trust me, guys, you do not want to hear what her first unfiltered viewing opinion was of me. <laughs> Hiya. Hiya. Good times. Good times. To be fair, though, I do feel like sometimes you can't moan about movies too much. Our first ever proper date that we went on, you made me take you to the cinema to see that Michael Bay fucking I Transformers did. movie. No, I didn't. No, the Turtles Teenage movie. Turtles. Yeah, and it fucking sucked it was balls. So bad. It was awful. And I was like, I was ready to quit on your ass after that. I was like, no. It was so bad. I was like, it is not worth it. I was like, this girl is hot. I was like, but she's going to make me watch <laughs> more of these crappy Turtles movies. I was like, I'm not, I'm not sure I'm ready I for mean, this. I mean, to be fair, I made you sit through Austin Land last week. So. That movie was all right, though. That was good. Yeah. Everyone, everyone in it was a real character. It was so much fun. <laughs> Everything was practical. <laughs> Everything was practical. Yeah. Hiya. Hiya. Uh. <laughs> As a movie recommendation for you, if you've made it all the way to the end of this episode and haven't grown tired of me bashing the shit out of what, house. Bridesmaids? No, go watch Austin Land. Oh, you just gave me the dick eye, so I thought no, you were talking about Bridesmaids. No, it's this the, when she's teaching fucking her character, she's like how to speak English, and she goes... Oh, I thought you were doing the dick eye <laughs> No, from I wasn't fucking... doing the dick eye, I was doing Bridesmaids. the... <sighs> from Austin Land. That movie's delightful, I do highly recommend it, it's so funny. Anyway, guys, that are our, that is our complete and utter unfiltered thoughts on House... And Magic Mike's Last Dance. And also about how much Lee enjoys uh, Austin Lands. If you have an hour and a half to kill, don't watch House, watch that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that should be a tagline for this movie. If you've got a spare hour and a half, don't watch this, go watch Austin Land instead. <laughs> or watch House Party and House Party 2 with Kid and Play. I don't know what that is. You ever seen House Party? No. You know who Kid and Play are though, right? No. So Kid and Play are the like comedy guys from like back in the 80s they got the big tall hair they're like the two black guys you know they've got the hair that like stands up like up here no um no do you know they should watch if you've got a spare hour and a half to kill mm. welcome to good burger home of the good burger can i take your order he's a dude she's a dude Go watch Good Burger. Good Burger's great so i was gonna have that stuck in his head now for the foreseeable future 
<laughs> You're welcome, babe. It should have been called, that movie you. should be called Slightly Passable Burger. Welcome to Good Burger, home of the Good Burger. All out sketch that was stretched too thin burger. Oh, I love that film. <sighs> There's so many better films you could be watching in an hour and a half. Yeah. So. There's so many even just mediocre films you could be watching for an hour and a half. Just watch some fucking porn. Um... Oh, no, no, yeah, okay, I agree with you. Just go some porn. The plot will probably be more interesting. Go watch Scary Movie 2. That is a better Haunted yeah. House movie than what this take is. Take my strong hand. He doesn't, you know, he doesn't say that. No, I know he doesn't. He just says, take my hand. It's a fucking he? weird mandala effect. Because he just says, he just says, like, take my hand, doesn't yeah. he? I don't know why. He references his small hand at some point. Because it's when he's, like, smashing up the mashed oh, potatoes. Oh, he's doing the mashed potatoes, just his Mate, hand. Tim Curry's in that fucking movie. He is. Another, another, um, sadly never created company of curry and rice. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's our thoughts on House and some other things. Yeah, it really um, rails at the end there. Have you guys seen House? Have you not seen House? Uh, come join us on social media. Let us know your thoughts. Um, S-I-M-A-H-F pod on Twitter. So I'm a horror fan, all lowercase, all one word on the Instagrams and the Tumblers. Uh, thank you for making it this far into our first time watch month. Thank you for listening to our episode of Blood Diner <laughs> and Scream 6 and The Invitation, Invitation and uh, Infinity Pool, uh, which is coming up next week, and <laughs> Pearl, which has just come out. Um, and then, so uh, I was doing a lot of solo episodes this month that two, I did not know about. Two. Oh, you knew about them. I told you about them. Yeah, sure. Um, and then, uh, yeah, join us next Monday for an episode on The Frighteners. Spoiler alert, that is a movie that we actually enjoyed. Yeah, uh, spoilers. We like that one. Big up, Peter Jackson. Yeah. Um, anyway, that's enough from me. And, uh, you know, I'm not. <laughs> um, stay spooky, stay safe, guys. Take care, and we'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.